keep tugging at our heels Watch this high step and be a highlight reel Of how high we get The ghost riders off the ramp How we live defies death Put a conscience in the genre box Stamp a certified fresh Bad boys beyond g depths. You couldn't fathom what we plan to do next Turn the music on his head Power bomb Welcome and thank you for listening to the Free Range Basketball Podcast, a podcast where I, Kyle McCune, bring on guests and we find common ground in our love of basketball before having more conversations about politics and religion. If you like what you hear, please consider rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast wherever you listen to or watch it. And if you'd like to be an official producer of the show, you can send in support through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App at Kyle McEwen 16 You can also subscribe on Patreon at Free Range Basketball. For anyone that rates, reviews, or contributes as a producer to the show, I'll be sure to give you a shout-out here on the show, and I'll also come help do yard work this weekend. So make sure to go contribute, rate, and review. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me retweeting an insane number of NBA and political topics at RotoKyleNBA. All right, enough of the housekeeping. Our guest for today's show is Sergeant Vino. Uh, From Twitter, he volunteered to come on here and have one of the first, actually the first discussion uh, for free range basketball. So Sergeant Vino, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, You are 40 years old, born in the Soviet Union before living in Israel uh, through your mid teens and now Canada for the last 23 years. You shared that with me when, when offering to come on the show. And I was, it it just struck me as like, awesome. I'm going to get someone with a different perspective from myself. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your perspective. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Um, You're very welcome. I was, I was very, very excited to, to to participate. As soon as I saw the notification, I said, hey, why not? Um, I mean, fantasy basketball connected me with very interesting and unique individuals in Canada. Um, and the platform gave an opportunity to express opinions about politics, religion, um, social justice, and so forth. So this was a natural extension. I was, I was very excited. That's awesome. Um, I guess uh, you're, you're an international NBA fan and and fantasy basketball player. How'd you come to love basketball? Was it something you discovered as a kid or or as you got older? Uh, you know, I, I got hooked in 92. Um, you know, when, when when the dream team, the original dream team came to Barcelona um, and it was it was so exciting. I mean, the bar was was set so high. The standard was was up there and I got hooked. Um, I mean, I was playing soccer before. Um, it's, it's sports number one in Europe um, and Israel where, where I grew up. So I took a soccer ball and I, and I started shooting at the hoop. And hey, you know, one went in, the second one in, the third one in, and I, hey, I, I can do this. And and I imagine I'm a Michael Jordan right away and, and, and the rest of history. <laughs> That's so, so funny. So uh, I, I started following um, European basketball um, right away um, in Israel. It's it's sports number two, very close to soccer. Um, and then European basketball in, in general, uh, teams like Barcelona and, and teams in Italy. Um, and, 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 you know, many, um, many of those players are now, um, in, in the, in the NBA, we can talk about, um, Arturas Karnishovas and, and the Bulls, um, and others, uh, many scouts are, are from Europe and, and, and the game is more global now, um, as opposed to the nineties. Um, and of course the NBA, I mean, I, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, Israel time to watch, you know, Michael and, and, and Scotty go to, go to Phoenix and do their business with, with Sir Charles and, and the others. Um, so that, that's, that was my, my introduction to basketball. I started playing myself. I played in a team, um, followed closely, um, the NBA and, and others. And then, you know, in 96, uh, my parents told me we're going to Canada, Toronto. I said, yeah, Toronto Raptors. You know, <laughs> I, I was so excited. I, I was, I was a kid and I was, I was like, uh, you know, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. So as soon as we came with my parents to, to Canada, to Toronto, um, I bought my tickets to see, to see Michael Jordan's Skydom. Oh wow! And, and it was it was phenomenal. I mean, just a few years ago, I was, I was I was imagining and dreaming about about this, and 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 now it, here it is, you know, and 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 it 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 was so fascinating. I mean, I was I was I was blown away by by the opportunity. That's so cool that you um, I guess what's your reaction then as a Raptors fan? I mean, it, nobody saw them coming out as a championship, obviously. With Kawhi being there, they were a championship contender. But like before Kawhi came there, it, you know, the, just the whole thing—it it happened so quick, almost. Like Kawhi comes there, you overnight you're a championship contender. Um, do you still have good feelings about Demar Derozan? Were there conflicted feelings about Demar Derozan? Because I know as a as an outside just NBA fan, I always looked at Demar and I said, "You're 
he's great. He's a good dude, but like, and he's fun to watch in certain respects, but does he play the type of game that's going to lead to winning an NBA championship? And it just, obviously the, the disparity between Kawhi and DeMar in those respects or that paradigm is very different. Sure. I'll take it one step back. Um, I've been, I've been a Raptors fan since 96 when, when I, when I came to Canada and throughout those those years, I, I realized that we don't have a chance. We were looking forward to making the playoffs. We're not talking about winning. Just making the playoffs was an accomplishment. All that changed in, in 2013 when, when Masai Ujiri came on board. Um, I followed basketball closely, like I told you, and, and I, mm-hmm. I knew something good was going to happen. I, I, I saw what he's done in Denver, um, you know, getting rid of, of Carmelo um, and get, getting so much back. Right. Um, and that was a good move. So I extreme, I was extremely um, optimistic um, when, when a jury came about and he traded Andrea Bargnani that I couldn't stand. I personally couldn't stand Andrea, to be honest. I, uh, he was lost on defense. He was nowhere, nowhere number one pick that everybody were, were, were excited about in the beginning. I, I didn't like him from the get-go, but getting rid of him and getting number one pick in return was, was, was something good. And if you look at, at the jury's history, he, he's done mostly good things. Um, I can probably you know, name a few things that he hasn't done well. Maybe Demar Carroll is, is a bad contract that he gave. But other than that, everything was was near perfect. Um, and then bringing, you know, Nick Nurse on board and 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 getting rid of, uh, you know, Casey that was a um, NBA coach of a year at the time. That was a bold move. Yeah. Um, and and you know, people to answer your question, Kyle, t- people didn't expect Raptors to come out of the East. Well, I did. Um, you know, and talking about DeRozan, uh, DeRozan was a good player, but I never liked his defense. Um, and yeah. it's, it's easy to say now that I didn't like him, but, um, you know, basketball plays in two, both ends of the court. Um, it's not just offense. We in fantasy, you know, look at offensive production most of all, because, you know, six out of eight categories that we the, that we do, or five out of, it's, it's, it's offensive, right? Only defensive numbers yeah. are, are blocks and steals. But on, on, the, on the real court, you need to play both ends. Um, and DeMar didn't. Um, and when you compare, you know, um, when you compare the two, um, clearly um, Kawhi Leonard is, is, is a better better player uh, on both ends. And defense wins games in playoffs. Was it, uh, I guess, this year, did you feel like you guys still had a, another shot at the championship legitimately? I did. You know, this year um, in the bubble, everything turned around and there was no home court advantage. Um, so I thought, I thought premium would be placed on coaching, yeah. um, and, and we we will get to that a little bit later, I, I, I suppose. But coaching is 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 very good in Toronto, and Nick Nurse just one coach every year. Masai um, Ujiri was there, um, you know, leading by example. You know, I saw flags of of the Raptors in their in their hotels, um, and elevators and so forth. So they they try to bring um, as much of Toronto to Orlando as possible. So I thought from that perspective, they have an advantage. A um, couple of other teams that are good in that in that regard um, are Boston and maybe Miami, uh, on par. Yeah. Other than those three um, and the Lakers, of course, they had their, their their two best players and they were they had to be considered. So those four teams were were clear in my head, um, you know, runners, front runners to 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 do well in in Orlando. So I expected the Raptors to do well. I expected them to be um, at least in the in the, in the East Finals. Uh, we came, you know, half a game short or or half a quarter short. Uh, but it was a good bubble. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I watched every single game. Yeah. Um, I love that when you started talking about kind of like your hope for, as a f- fan of the Toronto Raptors, you mentioned Masai Ujiri coming to the team, being like a key, the key moment for, for that in, in some respects, as far as looking at your team and saying, okay, we're going to start making moves toward actually challenging for a championship and not just being, you know, one, one or two rounds into the playoffs. Uh, and because every single team, you need a good front office. When you don't have a good front office or good ownership that puts in a good front office, it's hard to root for a team. As a lifelong Pistons fan myself, now that for the last like 10 years of living through just mediocrity, it's it's tough to consider myself really a Pistons fan anymore because I don't have faith in the ownership. It's the same reason why I stopped rooting for some of the other hometown teams that I did in other sports like the Detroit Lions. It's just sucking for so long or having such a, a low bar of expectations for so long, it, it really does matter so much who's running that front office, who your ownership is. So I like that you pointed out Masai Ujiri is, and his joining the Raptors as being a kind of a catalyst to them becoming a championship contender, or at least starting down that path. Absolutely, Kyle. So as long as Mujiri is, is, is with the Raptors, I, I do have faith in, in the organization. 
Um, I'm supporting it. I'm wearing a T-shirt proudly. I'm going to games, um, and I'm looking forward to the future. Absolutely. Do you think that they sh- the the Raptors should re-sign Fred VanVleet, or h- how do you feel about that whole situation? Absolutely. Um, give the guy what he earned. Um, he absolutely has to 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 get paid, and and, and I feel comfortable of paying him. Absolutely. Um, but you know, when when we talk about you know building building a team, and we talk about Masai Ujiri, you, you you look at the Raptors, and you look at the success that Pascal Siakam had. You know the next the next wave is is is, is right there. I mean, Normal Powell and, and Ojo Nobi are the next in line, and if you look further, um, you know Davis Kidd, he's 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 great. Yep. I think he's going to be amazing. Um, you know, when you talk you talk about Chris Boucher, he's another big. I mean, Mark Gasol is probably gone, um, but Chris Boucher is, is right there. We may no, need you're... another big, but that team is deep, and I have full confidence in Masajiri bringing someone else. Uh, you know, the next the next wave. Yeah, yep, that's just it. Whether it's one of the guys that's been playing great off the bench uh, recently or the, over this last year, whether he they choose to pay up for Fred Van Vliet, whether they decide that it's it's too much to pay and they let him go sign somewhere else and they just stop their pursuit, you you feel like Masai Ujiri is going to make the the best decision, and that's that's what's so great about being a fan and having uh, competent leadership there. Uh, talking a little bit more about coaching situations or people that are related to the Raptors, the, the Indiana Pacers hired a new head coach on uh, Monday this, this week. And it's Nate Bjorkgren. Uh, Bjorkgren is replacing former head coach, Nate McMillan. Uh, the new Nate is a Nick nurse disciple. He was uh, an assistant coach in uh, with the Raptors. Is there anything for that about Bjorkgren that, that stands out to you other than the fact that he's related to that Icelandic singer? <laughs> I, I don't know the guy, to be honest. I, okay. I don't know, but I do know that uh, he came from, from a successful organization we talked about just now. Um, and, and success breeds success. Uh, people want to be part of it. Um, so as soon as, as Coach Nurse got, got coach of a year, naturally someone would like his assistant. I mean, that we, we saw that with the Spurs organization. They were so successful, someone wanted a piece of it. And that's the reason Brad Brown got an opportunity, for example, in, in, in Philadelphia. Um, so so naturally people you know tend towards success. And, and that's not surprising to me one bit that someone wanted uh, Raptors top assistant and I wish him the very best in, in Indiana, Indiana. Um, as long as it gives to number two and it doesn't get to the Raptors in first, that's all good. They can meet in the finals for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's been a lot of cool little uh, shout outs from Raptors players, whether it's bench guys like Stanley Johnson or uh, the, the more important players on the team, like Kyle Lowry who voiced their support and, uh, pride or, or happiness for Nate Bjorkgren for getting the job with the Pacers, essentially saying like, Hey, he was great here. Um, and one of the things that the anecdotes that was shared about Bjorkgren was the fact that he's such a positive guy. Um, and that he is just like his natural, his natural rhythm, his natural vibe that he's, he's not going to, he's not going to be there to bring anybody down. He's going to be very positive in his support and in his coaching of players. And that's something that has been mentioned by multiple players about what he offers. Um, the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stories out there actually, because Nick nurse was Bjorkren's coach in college when Bjorkren was 19. And then Bjorkren ended up coaching with Nick nurse for the last, I think, uh, I don't have the the correct number of years, but it's, it's been a long time. So there's five plus there's, years already yesterday. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just, I wanted to say 20 years and, cause, and then I was like, that just sounds way too long because Bjorkman looks so young, but um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think everything I've read so far gives me hope because there's also people who have talked about how Bjorkman as a coach in the G league was very versatile. He always played to his, um, to, to the players that he had and he wasn't necessarily didactic in enforcing a certain style of play as much as um, being very malleable in how he reacts to other teams and things like that, which is, which is interesting and, and fun to hear in comparison to Nick Nurse because Nick Nurse, while he sometimes does uh, get comfortable with a certain group and, and will ride them, he's also not afraid to make changes on the fly if he feels like he needs to. Absolutely, especially defensively. We saw we saw it uh, right in front of our eyes. I mean, they were playing defense, uh, you know, man to man, and then suddenly they changed it to a zone, and then sudden, suddenly box and one, and you, and you can see it in front of your eyes, and that's unusual. Um, typically, you, you would go with one scheme, you know, for 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 a certain amount of time, but these guys, the Raptors, they change it on the on the fly, um, and, and and that's something that that takes time to to build. Um, and and you know, when we talk about coaching, 
25 years together. I mean, the, I'm sure they, they 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 picked each other's brain many times in the past. I'm sure at Indiana got got a good one. And you spoke yeah. briefly, Kyle, about um, how personable um, the new Indiana coach is, and and I hope I hope it is. I mean, it's it's a big part of today's game. The coaches must, must connect with their players, um, and and the better ones do it do it better. As simple as that. Yeah, exactly. You've. There's, you know, I get conflicted sometimes when I hear like uh, Kyrie talking about how the situation with the Nets right now and Steve Nash, how there's there's not really a, a head coach. There's three coaches, you could argue, or even four if you count Jacques Vaughn as, as an assistant. Um, so it's just uh, it, but but at the same time, and I like that ownership. I like the the openness of that communication, the idea that the, the you know, I don't know. There's not necessarily anybody above anybody else. And it's also a, a realization to say, Hey, look, I'm Kyrie Irving. I'm Kevin Durant. Like anything Steve Nash is going to say us, say to us, we've probably already, we're going to think through that anyways. We're on the court. We're going to know all the different options that are out there for us. We've been getting coached by good coaches for a really long time. So, I mean, I understand that perspective, but there's still this idea that like, well, you have that hierarchy to, maintain a certain level of professionalism. Maybe you don't need to try to maintain that paradigm when you have super professional players like maybe a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But we also know that those two guys get derided in the media sometimes for their different opinions and, and willingness to kind of think outside the box or share opinions that aren't, you know, uh, PC or yeah, polite. Um, but I, I like that. I mean, I like everybody just being genuine. So it, it's, it's, it's just a unique situation there with the Nets. And it's going to be interesting to see if the, the acknowledgement of like, hey, look, these are, the, these are the guys that matter most, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Whatever they say kind of goes. And Steve Nash is there to help them reach that championship uh, level together with the Nets. So... Again, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how that plays out there. Do you have any thoughts on the Nets and that whole situation? You know, Kyle, I, I am uh, I'm maybe a little bit less optimistic than you are when, when it comes to Nets. Um, I, I'm uh, I'm not sure if, if 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 Steve Nash was asked by Curry uh, before Curry spoke, um, and, and and certainly a head coach that comes into an environment like this when when some of the key players publicly says something like that. I, I don't know if, if the chemistry is going to be there from day one. Um, I, I would assume they would get there at some point during the season, but maybe not from, from the get-go. Um, and I expect them to struggle a little bit in the beginning. Um, and I don't know how, how long it's going to take. I mean, from, from one end of the, of the spectrum, you have um, someone like you know um, Greg Popovich, and he's, if you want to call him a dictator in, in, in the basketball world, um, holding everybody to, to high standard. And, and the other spectrum would be a Steve Nash. I don't know if, 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 if Steve Nash can be successful in that environment from, from the beginning. I hope he does. I really like Steve as a, as a player. Um, I really respect what he did for, for Team Canada and, and putting Canada on the map, Canada basketball on the map, um, and being involved with the national team as well. So I wish him luck. Um, I'm not sure if, the easiest, if it's the easiest environment for him to go into, into um, Brooklyn right now. Yeah, it'll be... I'm I'm curious, you know, I'm sure that in front of the cameras, Steve Nash will be the, you know, super polite, PR uh, aware kind of guy that he can be. Um, and he's always had that really great personality that he's put out there or, or non-confrontational personality that Steve, that Steve Nash has had. But we also know that one of the coaches that he spent the most time with was Mike D'Antoni. And Mike D'Antoni is, if you pay attention long enough, you you see those how in the background he's probably really fiery, really competitive. And it may not be what most people want from their guy, but he probably will cuss out Kyrie and Kevin Durant freely and, you know, talk to them like, like he would his teammates. Um, not to say that he would try to denigrate them or, you know, like, uh, you know, put, you know, put them in a bad spot, but like, he's not going to be afraid to share his opinion with these guys at all. So um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it, actually works. I don't have a lot of faith necessarily, but I like to try to keep an open mind to say like, just because personalities are cl clashing doesn't mean it's necess necessarily a bad thing. Hey, right. As long as Gary doesn't bring up the fact that the, the earth is, is, is flat again, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, him and Steve can talk about that for, for, for a while. Off, yeah, off, right. Off, off the mic. <laughs> yeah. 
that, that we don't even that's a topic on here that we don't need to cover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, let's uh let's move into some political talk and uh see if we can roll our love of basketball into some just good conversation. I, I'm interesting to hear I'm interested to hear your perspective of politics, of religion, spirituality as someone who's lived in a different situation than what I've lived in. I've I've been in America my whole life. I've visited Canada a couple times just by because living and growing up in Michigan, I would travel across the border because you could drink when you were 19, so over in Canada, so we'd you know, we'd pile into a car and go over there and then rent rent a, a cheap shady motel for like 20 bucks a night and just you know, have a good time in Canada or I spent a weekend up in Toronto uh with some buddies and it's a it's a beautiful country. Uh, went to Niagara Falls from the Canadian side uh, on that same weekend that I went up to Toronto. But that's like that's as international as I've gotten in my life. I've seen a lot of America, but um, it's you know I don't. I've never been to Russia. I've never been to Israel, and um, I definitely don't have twenty three years of experience living in Canada. So um, I guess I would like to hear uh, SGTV. You know, what's your political journey been like through your life? Uh, did you grow up with certain values and have they changed over time? Sure. Um, you know, I was born in the Soviet Union. It's a, it was a communist country um, in, in, in 1980 when, when, when Gorbachev allowed glasness in perestroika, which, which means freedom of speech um, and, and openness, um, things changed. Um, I, I saw a lot of documentaries about past Soviet Union when, when people were not as open and were not allowed to speak freely. Um, their their rights were were not um, put on front by by the leadership. Um, you know there were a lot of hate towards Jews um, and 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 people were suppressed. People that had their own opinion that differed from from the government they were they were not put. Um, you know, they were not promoted at work. They were not put in a position to succeed in life. They were prohibited from going to universities, for example. Um, so all that changed in the 80s. And when I was growing up as a little kid, um, you know, four, five, six years old, we watched American movies. I mean, I watched, uh, you know, VHS and and, and and American movies and jeans and Levi's and Coca-Cola. And, and all that was was bright future and it was was different. And, and everybody were wanted to take a piece of it. Whether you're six years old, whether you're 20, whether you're 30, I mean, I remember my mom was 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 looking for you know where where to get those jeans, right, for for herself, <laughs> or, and it was it was it was something that that was so far away, um, that was so, and, and of course the forbidden fruit, you know, you, you want it, right, and and yeah. and you tend towards it. So again, when my parents told me that we are immigrating to to Israel or or west, um, to to me Israel was was just like America at that time, right? I was I was nine, ten years old. I was little. I didn't know what the difference is between Israel and, and America. To me, it was West. To me, it was it was yeah, you know, good. Let, let, let's go, freedom. So when we talk about freedom of speech, when we talk about um, you know what what we have here out West, when we when we are free, when 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 we can express our our, our opinions, uh, when we can go and vote, and we know we can we can change a few things um, here and there, and we have an opportunity. To me, to me, it it it, it it's a lot. It's a lot that that we need to cherish. We need to be, um, you know, thankful for. And I, I certainly am. Every opportunity that I have, I, I go to my parents and I say thank you. Thank you for bringing me to Canada. Um, and 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 I'm very, um, you know, I'm very optimistic about what what we have here um, as as society. And are you so? Canada has now. Ontario though is is different than than the rest of Canada. Hasn't Ontario like tried to? separate from canada in the past no that's quebec that's okay, quebec. That's quebec. So, okay so quebec shows speak you french. how international i am <laughs> so in quebec they speak french um that's uh you know one of the main um differences f among the entire canada so everybody in canada speaks english except except uh, quebec so going back to what you were saying um, traveling to canada to to, to get you know, beers a little bit early. So in Quebec, it's 18. Everywhere in Canada, it's 19. In Quebec, it's 18. So I've seen many um, teenagers go go to that specific area of, of Canada um, at the younger. I'm a big skier. I like skiing. So I mm -hmm. see them on slopes, uh, many, many people from Michigan specifically. It's a short ride to, to Quebec, uh, pretty much straight north. Um, it's a little yeah. bit further, further Toronto. Um, you know, when, when we talk about um, Canada, it, it, it's a wonderful country. I mean, I've been here for 23 years. Um, Judging by my nickname, I served in the military. That's that's where they come from. I, I was a sergeant. Um, I gave back um, to Canada as much as I could. I stayed as long as I as I wanted, um, and then I quit when 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 it was time. But I gave as much as I could back. Um, I love Canada. It's it's a wonderful country. So as a as a member of the uh, can, 
or I guess is it the Canadian military? Then what is that? What is that even called? Or is that just it? Canadian Armed Forces. Okay. Uh, did you travel with in that as well to a lot of other places? I traveled all across Canada uh, when when I was one of the reserves. So in, okay. in the states, it's National Guard. In Canada, it's reserves. Yep. Um, so I, I was able to continue my education and in parallel serve in the army at the same cool. time. Um, and yeah, I traveled all across Canada, ocean to ocean. I haven't been overseas. Um, it was my choice. Again, that's the difference between National Guard and 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 reserves here. In National Guard, when when you asked, when you're told to go overseas to serve, you have to. In the reserves, you don't. So I was offered an opportunity. I could have gone to Afghanistan, but, but I didn't. So uh, you you talked about the fact that how important it is, uh, freedom of speech, um, and we're it's different though. Like I, I wonder what exactly that that meant back in the day in in the Soviet Union in in communist Soviet Union to to limit speech because today I feel like we see that bald faced on social media a lot of the time or you see a certain opinions trying to get curved where it's like you're only allowed to share this from a certain perspective and if you don't share you know this story from a certain perspective or a certain narrative then it's it's not allowable on here it's it's disinformation it's fake news I would personally just rather people be able to learn how to discern for themselves what's legitimate and what's fake. I don't necessarily, I guess I don't trust institutions trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't consume in regards to, especially news items, um, whether or not it's, it's fake or not. I, I feel like if anything, the importance of a free society and uh, a good education is, is learning how to see through the baloney. Um, I guess uh, to, to bring things back to what I originally was going to ask, ask is, do you see some of, I guess, can you draw any parallels or can you, do you see any issues with current censorship or do you even see current censorship as an issue? Or do you think it's, it's somewhat necessary as a part of the learning how to navigate social media in general? You know, Kyle, I think it all comes down to one, one concept and, and that's critical thinking. And that's that's absolutely must, and you've touched on that. Critical thinking is 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 especially in this world today, when when news come up come on on you from all different angles. Um, they 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 specifically target certain individuals and certain groups, or um, they're wide open. So critical thinking is when 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 a person is able to analyze data, ask specific questions, relate to some of the experiences from the past, see from a different perspective, and then come to a conclusion after analyzing data not jumping to a conclusion because someone said or someone famous said or 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 someone you know advocated for this or that so all that is available today um, a person should be able to analyze data and then come to his own conclusion we didn't have that in the soviet union or we, they didn't have that before i was born it was all propaganda it was all only one way one and and you can see that right now in 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 eastern uh, europe as we speak today, I'll, I'll give an example. A country like Belarus, um, you know, it's 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 close to home. It's it's former Soviet Union. It's one of the republics. Now it's it's a it's a country where a dictator is in power for 26 years. And from you know, in, they had elections two months ago in, in August, and the majority of people voted against him. They didn't even have anybody else to vote for. They just voted against him. And he's been suppressing those people. Um, you know, and talking about hundreds of thousands of people outside protesting. And he's he's saying those guys are are drug addicts or they've been paid by the West to be it, it's 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 false, everybody knows that, so that is still the case today, 25 years later. Meanwhile, here in in, in Canada in, in in America and you know, our countries are very they're very similar. They're different, but they're 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 similar in that regard that there's freedom of speech. You know, we can you and I can speak freely about it. Back home in the Soviet Union, that was not possible and definitely not going in the air. I mean, we can talk about it in our kitchen. And that's what what was happening. I mm -hmm. mean, people are not stupid. People are not dumb. They were still seeing what what is worth, what what's good for them, and they were still talking in, in their kitchen tables and with their neighbors, perhaps depending on the neighbors. But within their families, they were they were open. But outside, they were not permitted to do that. Definitely not on television. Definitely not on 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 the air and on the radio. See, and I guess personally, I, I see some of the the current censorship on social media. It's not, you know, it's not state-sponsored social uh, censorship. It's it's corporate-sponsored censorship in some respects. It's it's uh, the picking of certain topics, and I'm not suggesting that you think the same way in regards to this. I'm just sharing my opinion here. But 
I see some of the, even just putting different labels on, on stuff. Uh, it, it, I guess I just, I would rather be left to make up my own decision. And I don't, because now you're asking people to say, uh, can I trust this new story, which they should be asking all the time? Or can I trust this person, which they should be asking with everything they consume? Now they also have to say, can I trust the social media network? Can I trust the fact checkers that they're hiring? You know, um, it's, it's convoluted. It's more convoluted. It's more, which I think causes more division because it's not just you and I having a conversation to say, Hey, did you see this story? Oh yeah. You know what? You should maybe think about this. Or did you see those details at the end of the story? Now it's people are automatically being told, don't even look at this. It's fake. It's not worth your time. And it's like, I guess I just believe in looking at the source material, looking at the data and and making your own decisions and, and critical thinking, as as you said, should I think should lean in a free free republic or uh, democracy? It should it should be on the uh, the onus should be on the person, and that's not to say because I don't want people being leveraged by bigger entities um, that are kind of putting their thumb on the scale. I want I want the leveraging to come from people with good intentions who are trying to share hopeful and, and helpful information, not divisive things that just lead to clickbait or, or whatever. Cause that's just it. A lot of the, the um, some of the censorship or some of the, the, the contention may not even be from a perspective of uh, maliciousness as much as it is driving content to a particular site or, or whatever. There might be a, like a corporate aspect of it. Sure, I fully agree. It's it's it, you know it, it, it's money making, right? And yep. and movie like Social Dilemma um, is, is is right there. I mean, it just came out on Netflix, and and talking about critical thinking is 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 important. I mean, when when those corporations try to drive their their agenda um, and and you know tell you a certain way, a person should be able to analyze data, should be able to to make um, their own conclusions, to come up with with their own reasoning. Um, and then you know live 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 their life according to their beliefs um, and not be driven by by corporate propaganda. Absolutely, I agree with you. And you know you, you you're making a one step um, in the right direction by by doing this podcast. And in, in that regard, you know people are should be able to express their opinions, should be able to speak freely and and draw their own conclusions. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I started to want to do this podcast is because I am I'm obviously passionate about the NBA and basketball. I've worked in the fantasy industry for over 10 years uh, and specifically focused on working on the NBA and basketball. And since lockdown happened earlier this year and we didn't have sports to really distract us, we didn't have the bread and the circuses. I started being very political or just not even being political as much as I guess I was commenting personally a lot earlier during the lockdown when I, when we were all just kind of locked up in our homes and whatnot. And, uh, I saw how much that created like division and, and frustration from people. And it's like, I didn't, I, I mean, it's one thing if like you unfollow my Twitter account because you're like, dude, I followed you for basketball. I don't want this in my, I just don't want this in my, my view. I'm, I'm focused on my family. I'm going to focus on my health. I'm going to focus on my spirituality or whatever. And it's like, totally. If anything, there's a big part of me that believes we should all be getting off social media in a lot of ways and going and doing things that make us more healthy physically, mentally, um, and also more social. But in this kind of in the situation we're living in one of the ways to be social and to engage with each other uh, in a meaningful way is through social media so i don't i also don't want to run away from something that's been a, a huge tool like the internet to give me new friends to give me uh new opportunities to have diverse conversations something that's given me you know it my life and my mindset about this world would be completely different if if we didn't grow up with the internet and everything that it's offered in regards to uh, the amount of content that you can consume. So while I am a lot more guarded about how I consume content that this these days, and what I mean by that is that it's not that I'm afraid to consume content. I'll consume almost anything, um, but I also guard myself from an emotional reaction to it. And I try to ask a bunch of questions as I'm consuming the content to say like, is this what I want? Is this what I want to hear? Um, 
Is that honest? Is there anything to back up the information that they're providing, like documents, um, audio clips, and or or a, tran a transcript of something? And if there's not that corroborating evidence, then I'm going to remain skeptical until I find something to back it up. But I'm also going to learn, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of getting verbose in this, but I'm also going to learn to, in not trusting everything I read, facilitate how to trust my gut more. There is, I believe, and, and I guess this will help us tra transition into spirituality or religion a little bit, but I do believe that there's something to a lot of the idioms you hear, you know, um, in regards to like trusting your gut and uh, the idea that we all know that when you put food into your stomach or you don't have enough food, you become hangry. Or if you eat certain foods, you become more excitable. You, your, your brain percolates more. If you uh, eat certain foods, you become sleepier and you become more docile. What we put in our stomach does affect how we think. So I, I, I like the the idea of their, the brain or the, the stomach being a second brain. Sorry, I'm sharing kind of a more esoteric ideas here. But um, I, to, to put it to, to give you a, a better example of, of, of what I mean by trusting your gut. When I was uh, when I left my after school programming job when I was like 25, I wanted to go hike across the United States and hitchhike and just try to find good stories from good people and hope and trust and love. But I also knew one of the one of the things that you in researching how to hitchhike and how to just hike across the United States, you have to one of the things that a lot of the people who had done it before expressed was trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, get out of there. Don't accept a ride. Like you don't have to, you know, you're going to be standing on the road for four to six hours. Sometimes nobody's going to pay you any mind They're They're just, the cars aren't going to be going in the direction that you think you, they're not going to want to pick you up. And then somebody comes up and it doesn't feel right. Protect yourself. Realize if something doesn't feel right, decline the ride. And like, as someone who was going into that experience with the mindset of finding hope and trust and love out there just through strangers to have to also uh, keep in mind the dichotomy of like, there might be somebody who does want to, to harm you. And if you feel like that's possible or something doesn't feel right, then step away. So that's what I mean about trusting your gut. And I think that you can apply that to discerning news items that you hear or just looking at the people who are giving you the information and saying, ah, I no, I don't, you're not, you're not selling it the right way. You're propagandizing me. You're not trying to offer me a, a clear perspective. So thank you for letting me ramble about that. Sure. Absolutely, Kyle. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to being able to analyze data and being able to, to see what's out there, uh, what to accept, what to reject um, and why um, and talk about it. I mean, we're, we're doing a very important um, thing here for ourselves. I mean, I'm sure our listeners would agree that, uh, talking about it is, is, is important. Um, you know, expressing yourself. You, you talk about, you know, getting in a car with someone and, and, and thinking about it. Well, it's, it's experience, right? I mean, when, when you're 18, you may have certain experience and you may have seen some things, but when you're 30, when you're 40, you have a little bit more. Um, yeah. you, may, you may analyze it a little bit better, right? So it, it's not just what comes out at you or from whom, it's also you, yourself. How much you have you developed? How much have you learned um, and, and how much you, you trust your gut more than before or less. Right. Right. And I, I guess trusting your gut could just be looked at like the accumulation of your experiences and your subconscious doing a little bit of the, the data mining or, or uh, dissection for you. I'll give an example if, if we have time. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was, I was lucky and fortunate to go to, to Africa um, in, in September of last year, just before COVID happened. Um, and I'm glad I did because I, I don't know, if, you know, when I would be able to do, to do it again. Um, and when I was there, um, I was in Morocco, um, Northern Africa. Um, you know, I, I, I was in the military for many, for many years. I'm, I'm a good navigator. I, I thought I'm, I'm able and capable of, you know, reading a map and, and going from point A to point B. Well, not so much, you know, <laughs> very street, very narrow streets, many people, everybody speaks Arabic, um, no street names, no, very difficult, very difficult. So my, my, my comfort level was not where I was expecting it to be. 
even though I'm very experienced, even though I, as, as, as much as I would like to think of myself, but I was able to get by luckily and hoping, you know, fortunately I had a good friend with, with, with me by my side and together we were able to cope with, with all situations, but it was, it was unusual and uncomfortable situation to begin with. And just an example of, you know, you, you talk about 18 hijacking and across, across the United States. I did, I did that in, in Africa last September somewhat. <laughs> so that's, um, I guess, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great example. Um, what, a do you mind if I, let's, let's get into it. Let's go. What's your, what's your spiritual journey? If we're going to, we'll transition a little bit here. What is, uh, what, have you been religious throughout your life? Did you grow up with certain beliefs? Uh, have they changed over time? You know, Kyle, I was born um, in a non-religious family. Um, and then, and then my non-religious family took me to Israel where, where religious studies were mandatory. Um, so I was put in the class, um, you know, blonde, blue eyes, um, in, in the middle East, study religion. So it was uncomfortable. Um, and I was young and I didn't speak the language. Um, so it was very uncomfortable. And I recall when I was maybe 12 years old, the teacher asked me to read a certain paragraph from, from Torah. I didn't even know how to read. I didn't even know how to read properly. And that language is slightly different than Hebrew. So Torah is written in, in, in old, um, language. I, I couldn't. So my, 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 Self-esteem went down. Um, I, I was hard myself. Maybe I'm not as good as these these guys. So it took me a while to to understand that there's nothing wrong with me. Um, it's something new that came up to me. And and you know I look at religious studies as as history lessons. Um, that that was my way of of dealing with it and, and getting good marks um, and and passing the courses and and somewhat enjoying it. Um, you know someone smart said in the past that you need to remember the past in order to prevent it to happen again in the future. Um, and, and that's true. Uh, we need to know our history, um, and, and religion is, is, is part of it. Um, maybe that's the short answer. Cool. I mean, no, I personally, I grew up Catholic. Um, but we weren't like, we, we went, uh, frequently when I was very young and then it got less and less. Um, and you know, then it would just became like, you'd go on holidays as a lot of people do here in America and, um, and then I became an ardent atheist for a long time when I was in my teens and, and in my twenties and whatnot. And then as I got into my thirties and I started to just look down more and more rabbit holes about, uh, different things, I'd always been interested in religion. I studied religion, even though I was an quote unquote atheist or ardent atheist in, in college, I was still super open-minded to all different religions. I would go attend different, uh, religious ceremonies at different uh, different places that were available in Lansing, Michigan, where I was going to college at the time. Um, and you know, I, I, I love the idea of, um, not pageantry, but, uh, like, uh, what's it called? The doing things consistently. Uh, why can't I find this word right now? <laughs> you know, like d tradition and, um, and ceremony. I like all that stuff. I think it's great. I think as a, as a, someone who ran after school programming, a big part of that was always like, you need to celebrate at the end of any project that you do. You need to show people that, you know, you need to show the kids that there was like, you were working towards something and then celebrate it. And, and I, I guess I just, I, you know, anything that brings people together, I'm for. So I know a lot of people's and my personal contention with religion, I think when I was growing up and why I became such an ardent atheist for a long time was because I was political and a lot of my political beliefs were the idea, I guess I demonized Christianity in some respects sometimes because I thought that, you know, these people don't really care. They're hypocrites and all this kind of stuff. But as I've gotten older and I've gone through a lot of different political uh, uh, following different people. Like, I mean, I voted Den Democrat my whole life. I voted uh, uh, third party, the Green Party in 2016 because I didn't want to vote for, for Hillary or Trump. Um, and I was hoping to s finally help establish a, a third party. I was a Bernie guy. And um, I've never voted for anybody on the right. Um, yet you would think based, or a lot of people would think based on my Twitter content that I'm like this far right guy or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, I still believe in like, well, here's the thing. 
the 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 idea of there being a division in my mind is it's just not there um a lot of the divisions are are in our minds it's because when you have conversations with once i finally started to not demonize the other side in my mind i started having more conversations with some of my uncles who are who are you know have more traditional values on the right uh and <laughs> everybody's nuanced i, I you know nobody's nobody's far right nobody's far left totally you have a long enough conversation with everybody and and this is kind of the reason why i wanted to do this podcast i think everybody's mostly good like the people i run into during my day when i'm going to the coffee shop and i'm doing this and i'm doing that or the people i interact with on in most real life situations nobody's like if you run into an a butthole you call them a butthole and you go about your day for the most part or you just roll it off your shoulders and say, that guy's having a bad day. But like, there's not just a bunch of people out there spreading all this, this division that a lot of people think and see on social media and that they extrapolated as it being prevalent everywhere in life. And I just, I see more hope out of people and I see more love out of people. And I guess that's what I want to try to get through on this too. Sorry to get all hippy dippy on you. You know, Kyle, you 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 touched on, on on many things here, and, and and some of them are very important. I mean, people are. I I truly believe that people are good um, in in mass in a mass um, scale, and and there is some good in 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 each and every one of us, right? And and when you like you said, you speak uh, long enough with with someone, you you do find common ground, regardless of of where they come from or how old they are. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to be happy. We all want to be fed. We all want to have, you know, roof above our heads. You know, we talk about basic um, human needs, right? Or, or we can talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs of what, yep. what's fundamental or what's what's at the top of the pyramid, um, right? But when when you travel more um, over the world, and I was again, I was fortunate enough to to visit it over 30 countries. Um, you you see the common good in people more than than the bad, you know. You, Obviously, you can have people on the street trying to take advantage of you, but the majority of them are good. Um, the majority of, 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 of Muslim people are good. The majority of Christian people are good. The majority of Jewish people are good. But, uh, you know, when, when we talk about religion, um, to me, I, I live by a basic principle that you need to treat others the way you want to be treated yourself. And that's that's the basic of everything. I mean, if, 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 if we are good with that, we can have a further conversation about anything else. Um, and if we're not, then then we're just going to go our separate ways. If I if I feel that the other person is not on the same level with me on this basic understanding, then I don't think there is much talk about otherwise. And we should probably not waste each other's time and, and go our separate ways. Yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my view on things. You know, I have a young daughter now, um, and that's probably one of the key principles I'll be I'll be teaching her when when she grows a little bit older. No, it's yeah, the golden rule. Do one, you know, the, treat others as you'd like to be treated. So it's pretty, that's a pretty simple one too. And it's, you know, it's, it's also the realization that if you've ever been an angry person and I have spent time being an angry person, um, all that anger is inside you, you know, for the most part, I'm not just, I'm not saying that we don't get leveraged by societal demands and that life isn't hard for people. And that, and that, you know, I'm not like, obviously our, societal beliefs and uh concerns and fears have pushed us all into certain boxes this year depending on where you live or at least constricted your freedoms in certain respects in the idea that we're doing something for the greater good um i lost my thought there to be completely honest but um yeah i don't even know where i was going <laughs> well i have an idea how about we talk about uh, extremism i'm not sure if uh, if you if you allow yeah. this on, on this podcast but uh, when 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 you mentioned when you mentioned religion and as one of the topics, I, you know, I thought about what what can we talk about? What interests me? Um, and I kind of scripted, um, you know, key points here on, on, on religion and extremism. Extremism. So when we talk about extremism um, to begin with, people automatically think about you know radical Islamists, um, and that's only one part of, of of the equation. We we also have, you know, radical orthodox Jews, um, and I can give a few examples from there. We can talk about Catholic Church um, and the pedophiles, you know, and, and, and to me, that's extremist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when we talk about um, our kids and I have a young daughter, you know, hearing about Catholic priests being being a pedophile, to me, it, it's it's an extremist. To me, there is not much difference between that priest and someone who puts explosives on his body and go and, and, and go and keep you, keep, kill people, right? So, so 
you know, when 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 I researched about Islamic extremism, um, you would think that it comes from poverty and ignorance, right? Poor people and uneducated people. Well, that's not the case. Majority of, of jihadist um, extremists are are educated and from at least middle class men. They were taught, or they're they're systematically being manipulated into believing they can they can instill law and order by destruction, um, and that's simply not the case. So it's it's brainwashing. You know, similar things happen in in in, in Israel. You know, when 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 in peacetime um, you drive across Nebrak, and Nebrak is a small town in the middle of Israel. Um, you know, there's orthodox Jews that throw stones in cars because they don't believe that it's, it, you should be driving in, in 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 on Saturday. Well, I don't think that way. Um, you know, and 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 I don't think they should be throwing those stones. And we talk, when we talk about um, you know uh, the good in people, uh, is it really good to throw a stone in someone? And you know, to take it one one step further, you would think that all those examples that I've just mentioned, you know, in in, in Islam and in in, in Judaism and 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 in Christianity or or Catholics um, for that for that matter, you would think that those people create havoc and and they 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 try to 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 bring other religions down. Well, that's not the case. Most of the time, they inflict pain on their own people, and and that's that's what worsens. Right. That's the key problem. No, you're right. I mean, and um, to me, when I look at like a lot of these, the bad aspects of pretty much anything and everything, whether it's a group or a, you know, or like you see a consistency with, with whoever, it's like politics, it's corruption. It's um, the fact that if there are priests who are doing things to children or harming their parishioners in any ways, somebody should speak up. Or when somebody speaks up, there should be a, an actual follow through of justice for, you know, thing is, I mean, I want tons of justice reform, but you know, like to me, the, the biggest problem about all of this is the fact that there's this corruption under the surface where things get hidden for such a long time, whether that's the Penn state situation with, um, I'm sorry, I can't Sandusky. And the fact that apparently so many people knew and all the, the, the Catholic church hiding all these different things that they get confronted, confront, confronted about, but then they just do these settlements or, or stuff gets hidden because people are so, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if it's, if it, you know, there's probably, there's probably a million different reasons for why people choose not to sometimes turn in their priests to, um, or to speak up because like, I've already been hurt. I don't want to extend my hurt by bringing this up or, or confronting my, my, my attacker. I'm just going to avoid them, which it's all legitimate. Like we all choose to deal with our, with our wounds, how we choose to deal with them, especially our emotional ones. Oh, you're absolutely right, and 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 the key point that you mentioned is talking about it, um, and and that that's important. And and when we talk about you know so, you know common platforms like like Facebook, like Twitter, and so forth, it's an opportunity to to express ourselves, and and that's important. Um, you know, I I I went to Germany um, in 2011. My uncle lives in Germany, and I was very skeptical about it because when when I was growing up, I, I heard German language, and to me, I associated that with with World War II right away because most of the movies in in, in the Soviet Union were about World War II, and how you know proud um, Soviet Union is with regards to anything involved um, in, in that in that part of history. So I was very skeptical about going to Germany. I didn't know how would how I would react hearing German all around me. Um, and in the beginning, it was uncomfortable. Um, but then when I went to Berlin, they have a memorial in the middle of, of Berlin, at the same place where Gestapo building used to be, where, where they, they murdered Jews and, and, and they're aware of their past. They're not afraid of it. They're teaching their kids that this happened and we should avoid that in the future. So that's absolutely must. I gained respect for Germans. You know, I, was, I, I, I went in unknowingly skeptical. I walked out with respect. I am not sure if I'm, I'm gonna be able to live in Germany ever, probably not, but I know I know that they've overcome their fear from the past. I know they've learned, and I know that they're growing their young generation to be better than them. And that, that's key. You've mentioned a couple times the idea that it's important to remember the past so that you don't repeat it. Um, and that's another one of those great old, I believe it's called an idiom. But um, it's, uh, or 
what what I guess what I'm trying to say here is that if we can't trust the media right now, it makes me very skeptical about some of the the past that we have been offered. So I, I know that's a, probably a rabbit hole. A lot of people don't even want to entertain or think about because it, it makes you, I'm, makes you feel like you got a bunch of crap in your head or your head just becomes empty because you're like, that's too big of an idea to, to wrap my head around. If I can't trust what the news tells me today, then how would I trust exactly what the, the our history says and, and why I think that's important to be earnest in, in what our history is, is because I don't want to repeat the bad stuff. I want to see progress. I, you know, I think everybody's a progressive. We all want good things to get better and, and bad things to get better as well, you know, in, in a positive way. So it's, um, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't really have any more comments about religion in that context. Um, if you do, I'd love to hear them, but, uh, as we wrap up this, I did want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Feel free to give a one word answer to pass on the question or to get, get verbose. Uh, but I always want to try and end on a positive vibe here. So if you don't mind, uh, Sergeant Vino, what makes you happy and, or how do you maintain or find happiness? I, I think that's very easy. My daughter, I mean, right now it's all about her. Um, I'm a new man. Um, I, I feel, I feel loved more. Um, I feel more genuine. I treat others with, with even more respect than before. Um, you know, I, I walk with her on the street and, and I start smelling flowers, for example. It, it's something that changed me recently and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm forever grateful for it. That's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear your heart got bigger. Um, what are your hopes for the world or for the future? You know, my hope is, is to have a peaceful sky above our heads. Uh, and it's maybe very simple and it's maybe, you know, uh, cliches. People say, you know, world peace and so forth. All the beauty pageants, you know laugh about this but yeah i i grew up in a place where where i saw bombs explode um i saw bullets fly and i saw people cry uh and i saw mothers lose their sons and and it's just not it's just not the case you know it's it shouldn't be i and that's the reason why i'm saying thank you to my mother um, and my father for for bringing me to canada peace above our heads means a lot um you know and then and then everything else comes comes into play freedom of speech and and being able to to live the way you want to live um you know uh, luckily unfortunately in Canada and the United States, for that matter, uh, you want to be a doctor, you know, you can be a doctor. Go study, be a doctor. You want to be a lawyer, go study, be a lawyer. You want to be an engineer, go ahead. Many places around the world are not as fortunate. And uh, do you have any other questions for me, brother? You know, Kyle, I, I'm thankful for bringing me along. Um, you know, it, it was wonderful to chat with you. Um, and, and, and you know, it started with, with fantasy basketball into platform. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's just expanding from there. Um, I was lucky and fortunate to join a group of, of basketball gurus here in Toronto. You know, there's 14 of us. They're all smart. Um, they're all unique. They're all different. Um, they all come from different backgrounds, different color skin. It's, it's all different. But this, this, this difference um, on, on, this, on the common platform of, of, of fantasy basketball allow us to, to, to speak freely about, uh, you know, topics we, we, we touched on today. And your podcast just expands on that. So I, I hope you, you continue with what you do. Um, I, I praise it. Um, I'll be definitely listening. And, and thank you. Thank you, Sergeant Vino. All right. If you like what you hear, please consider rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast wherever you listen to or watch it. And if you'd like to be an official producer of the show, you can send in support through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App at Kyle McEwen 16 You can also subscribe on Patreon at Free Range Basketball. For anyone that rates, reviews, or contributes as a producer of the show, I'll be sure to give you a mention and thanks on the show. And as I said before, I'll come help do yard work this weekend. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me retweeting an insane number of NBA and political topics at NBA. Sergeant Vino, thank you so much for being on the show. I do very much appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. And uh, our music that you're about to hear is gray theories movers and shakers thank you to foster for uh letting me use that music and chip all right guys have a great day i love you take care i'll hit you up on twitter brother thanks kyle Keep tugging at our heels, watch us high step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. We ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies death. Put our conscience in the genre, 
a box stamp and certified fresh Bad boys beyond G depths You couldn't fathom what we plan to do next Turn the music on the head, power bomb a suplex Mine's like duplex, that's a damn good dope duel Don't forget the double check Couple outcasts that'll hit you like a Smith & West Turn up the speakers and the headsets, protect your necks Yoga flame on this track, like rappers better stretch Or get burned, put your ashes in the urn Try to claim a weave urn, you gon' learn today Kid, we don't play, you'll get wrecked if you beat All day, peak the speech, we beat G-R-A-Y theory, make a way you get steamrolled or paved in the streets, go auto Givers and takers, man, movers and shakers, we know Givers and takers, man, movers and shakers, we know Givers and takers, man, movers and shakers, we know Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top I know small ones and new ones, fun ones and cold ones Bug ones and bold ones, thug ones can sold some It's really about the ones that stood the ground and held out Shelled a couple bucks and some just to be out Found many can't be trusted, but hate is uncontrollable Cause sometimes the right thing ain't the right thing to do And some rhymes with a punchline strike like Sun Tzu Prime time, Royal Rumble, Rain of Fire, one crew Great! We keeping it jazzy, beat so hard I bet it's twisting your chassis Pass me the rello as I bring you up a level Find your soul inside the treble, base opinions on your own devils Wrestle with your ego just to make you feel special Revel in the dopeness Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top. Take them haters like elevators and ride them to the top.